Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And it's Case Study Sunday. And we are joined by Dennis Shipper from Opus Partners, property partner there. And Dennis, this is actually the second time that you have appeared on the Property Academy Podcast. It's the Property Academy Podcast. Back in like episode 120. Well, we no, t- not there. No, no, you weren't available. And no. so Dennis came on. Early and days. Early days. I think we talked about non-bank lenders from memory. Yeah, yeah I changed think. a bit. We talked about a lot of stuff, but now we've got you on for Case Study Sunday. This is where we are going to deep dive into a real listener of the show, their situation, what their plan is, and this is to give you guys, listen at home, just an idea of what real people out there are doing, how they're thinking about their financial future, what they're doing about it, and the sort of properties they're investing in. So we've got Dennis here, and tell us just a little bit about the backstory of the people we're talking about today. Like, whereabouts they live. You get to make up names as well, Dennis. Yeah, so we'll go with the standard Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> oh, oh, I was hoping for a Jody and James. They're located in Hamilton. Pretty standard jobs. She's PAY salary, 115k per year. He's self-employed, earning 80k. Two young children, have a personal home. The thing that I quite like about their position is they've got an investment property that was a family home. Okay, so these guys have done the typical, we want to upgrade our own house, we already own a house, so rather than sell that, we want to turn it into a rental property. And this was before the days where you'd lose the deductibility of that right away, right? Yep, that's exactly right. So that's happened about seven years ago where they've decided to upsize. She was prior owned a business. She's sold that. So she's come into a little bit of money recently from that, which is quite interesting as well. So one, one of their key questions is, what do we do with this cash? Obviously, you know, we talk a lot about people wanting to build their wealth, particularly in the retirement. But when we have the portfolio planning session, we kind of take a bit of a deep dive into what people are actually wanting to achieve, what retirement actually looks like. What were the key motivators for these people, Dennis? So kids is a big thing for them. One of the key things that came up initially is we want to think about our kids how do we set them up because it's only getting harder and harder to get into the market and they're seeing that themselves living in Hamilton being neighbours to Auckland seeing how expensive it is to get into that market so do you say they've got two kids at the moment two kids how old were the kids three and one three and one and they're already thinking about helping out their kids they haven't even decided if they like them yet I would have thought the thing <laughs> to do would be help them become doctors and then they can help <laughs> themselves exactly let's get more specific about what their goals were so they want to help out their kids that's yep. a really good thing to do what was the specific long-term financial goal? I always like people to choose one of these. So their goal was to be able to build 150k income for retirement purpose. So that's what they felt was going to give them financial security. Okay, That's so, what they're after. Do you know what's interesting, Andrew, just before you launch into your next thing, yeah. is that actually inadvertently, we didn't plan it this way, but every single case study Sunday we've had so far has had somebody who wanting 150k is that right? passive income. I'm pretty sure. No, this was, these re- guys aren't passive income. These are having enough wealth to have 150k a year, right? So, yep, so this is what we call the comfortable retirement strategy. Now, just can you explain that for us, Andrew, the difference between a passive income and the retirement strategy? Yeah. So passive income, you've got enough assets that are unencumbered, they don't have any debt on them, generating enough income that you spend that money, but you don't erode your asset base. So that's rental income. Yes, rental income. But that's the more advanced version. Most people would start out with the building enough wealth that they can spend 150 a year and eventually they get to their age they expect to live to, and the money's finished. Their money's gone. Now, that excludes things like the family, home, and personal assets. But from their investments, they go to 150 grand a year, inflation adjusted, to live off, and then you don't live past 90 or else you ruin our formulas. 
Well, then you live, on, you live on the pension in that case. Now, talk to us about what they were currently on track for. Before we get onto that, actually, Dennis, how many assets would they need in order to live on that income? Because they're quite young now, right? So based off what we had planned, they were needing four investments to achieve their goals. Does that include the one that they already have? That was including the one they already had. Okay, cool. So, so they so need to buy three, three more, more investment three properties. And if they didn't buy those investment properties, how on track were they for that goal? They were on track to have about $57,000 per year. Including superannuation? What we had done in this scenario was they didn't want to take a reliance on superannuation, right. so we hadn't actually factored that into their plan. Okay. If that was there, like we see in a lot of situations, because they're still relatively young, just taking the approach, hey, what if it's not there, it's a yep. reduced figure. Yep, that seems sensible. So they're about a third of the way there. Do you know what? That's actually really good. Yeah. In terms of the investors that typically see come through planning out, having on track for like 50 grand a year without buying any more properties, really good actually. And if you did add in the superannuation in that case, it'd be about, you know, 30, 40K a year. You're going up to about kind of 90K. So I think they're on track. They're doing well. I think they're doing well. But they're not on track for their goals. Dennis, I guess you got them going better. Yeah, exactly. So what did you do? So what we did was initially they wanted to understand how to make the best use of their money as well. So something that we needed to understand was with their position, they still had 350k owing on their mortgage. Yep. They obviously had gone through changes with the new tax laws around yep. their personal house. So what did that mean? The investment. Yep. So what was the, the cost of that going to be over time? Yep. Now, what we did in that situation was following our initial meeting, referred them on to a mortgage broker to get some specialist advice around that. What we had planned was in the current position, we were going to look at one property today. If, po- if possible, we were going to look at two quickly. And then in two years time, quite aggressive, we were going to look at a third property. Cool. And they're not planning on having any more kids? No more kids at this stage. Great, great, great. Which makes the third one probably a bit more achievable because yep. you know, obviously the young ones are probably at school at that stage. Because I remember they had some childcare costs as well, right? Yeah, they were about $300. About 300 bucks a week. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Gosh, kids are expensive, aren't they? <laughs> I think that's the least of the, judging by my unborn offspring, that seems to be the least of the costs. Yeah, but but not everybody's out there buying lots of cots and clothes and everything oh, like God. your lovely partner is. <laughs> and so have they bought that first rental property yet? That first new one or two property one? Yeah, so they've actually bought two. Oh, great. That's great. Okay. So they've now got three rental properties plus yep. their own home, and they reckon they need one final one in order to get there? Yep. And tell us where they bought. So the first property they purchased, that was a standalone property in Rolleston. When did they buy it? They purchased that six months ago. So price at that stage would have been about seven fifty. Yeah, yeah it'd be about eight fifty now. Which I remember yep. I was complaining yep. about at the time. Yep. <laughs> I know compared and, to and what was the ago. and what was the other one? The second one they purchased was uh, Mangari Bridge. Yep. property. Okay. Um, when did they buy that? Six months ago. Yeah, same time. What was so the price point on that? That was eight eighty at that great, stage. Great, great. So yep. they would have done well that one as well. So both of those under construction? Yes. Yep. Great, both great. Under so rents will have gone up in the meantime. And so the plan is to keep those two. The existing rental property, have we had conversations with them about what they're going to do with that when that interest deductibility is completely phased out? Yeah, so part of what they want to do there is, as for the time being, 
something I should have mentioned is they're also paying principal and interest on that property. Oh. So so there are options for them to increase their cash flow. What's yes. the mortgage left on it? Mortgage on it was still sitting at 600. Because they'd moved that into a look-through company, I think I remember. So therefore had leveraged that to the hilt and yep. then had minimal personal debt. I think you said 350. So they're paying P&I and they're going to have no deductibility in three years time. So to improve cash flow, the only thing they can do is put that on interest only for now. Yep. And the other part was obviously with the cash what we had looked at is with their personal mortgage, if they clear that debt, that was going to free up about $270 a week as well. Now, what you mean by that is I remember there was about a half a million dollars, I think I saw in your notes, that yep. was there from the sale of that business. Yes. So Mrs. Smith had sold her business, half a million dollars in the account, more than what was needed to clear that mortgage. If they clear that, the mortgage was obviously on maximum to minimum repayments, but it frees up that little bit of extra cash. So if they do that, potentially pay interest only on their investment mortgage mortgage the existing investment. Although in saying that, by the time they free up that 270, they're probably okay. And then that will allow them hopefully to have enough cash flow in their entire portfolio to be neutrally geared. So even though this is quite a growth focused portfolio, they're still probably going to be okay for yield. Exactly. Have they thought about selling the existing investment property and then moving that equity into a new build to improve cash flow in terms of interest deductibility? Yeah, so at the time of the conversation, the focus was they want to grow the portfolio first yes. while we're still waiting to see, you know, there's elections, all these sorts of things coming up. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, a lot, of, a lot of people I sit down with have that opinion. What happens if something changes and yep. then I've gone and sold a property? So this gives them the choice to review that once they lose yeah. full tax deductibility. Yeah. And I suppose in that when is election coming up, 2023, at the moment you've still got 75% deductibility for a while. So while there might be a bit of pain, I can understand delaying that decision. Is there any ways that they can cash flow hack the existing rental property in the meantime? Yes, that was something we looked at as well. We discussed rent and we thought it was slightly under-rented. So what we had suggested is getting a rental assessment done, right. seeing if they're actually charging fair market rent because they're actually self-managing. Oh, self-managing as well. Mm -hmm. What about the ability to renovate? So they've recently renovated the property. Right. Oh, great. So it's renovated, but self-managing. Okay. Yeah, okay. Interesting, interesting. And of course, that property is outside of Brightline. So if next election comes around, Labor gets another term and they think we don't want to hold out for another term, then they could sell it at that stage and redeploy that equity. Exactly, and that, huh? that's what the goal is. So how much are they on track for their plan now? So they're at about 35% now. So did a review of their wealth plan. Where it stands currently, they're actually on track to have $149,000. 149000 yep. So they're actually almost there. Is that before purchasing the last property or That's including before that? Before purchasing the last wow, property. Wow, so just because they've had some good growth in the yep. in such a short period of time. So they're basically 99% of the way there. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but one of the things I want to point out as well is that they're 37 yes. at the time. Yes. So one of the big factors that's allowing a few properties to have a big impact yes. is that you're forecasting out on a kind of 27 year period looking at well what's going to happen by the time they're 35 yes. now if you were 10 to 15 years out you'd need many more properties to, to hit such an aggressive goal and obviously they've got some KiwiSaver and stuff there yes. as well but it's really the properties over time pulling the big weight absolutely and I think that's probably the key thing to remember the case studies we've done so far are people that are 
quite a wee way out from retirement, but we'll choose someone maybe next week that is closer to retirement and having to maybe be a bit more aggressive in a short period of time to be able to get there. I always like the interesting strategies, like if somebody's really close to retirement, but they've paid down a lot of their personal mortgage, then that's where going principal and interest on an investment property really hard can be a very good option. The other one I like, and you know, maybe we'll talk more about this next week if we can find a good case study for Case Study Sunday, is when somebody hits retirement, still works for a couple of years, but yeah. uses the superannuation to pay down debt. Yeah. Oh, always a classic, classic strategy. <laughs> Love it. One of my favourites. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm just well because I'm just imagining 65 year Ed rubbing his grubby little mitts together, using his superannuation to pay down debt. Oh mate, I'm going to be working to 75 because I, I need know, at least I 10 know, years of the I government know, paying down my investment will. mortgages before I decide to retire, and then I'll still be here recording the podcast in 50 years' time. How good! It'll be I'll be 79, and you'll be uh, <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say 20 years dead, you know. <laughs> I'll be with your daughter here in the studio <laughs> having a wee chit-chat about property, mate. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you'd like to, you know, do a portfolio planning session like we've talked about today with my friend Dennis here, then I'll just drop a link in the show notes so you can read more about that. So tap a swipe over the cover up, link's down there, or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. listening to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with our even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the Zealand property market. Until next time.